Welcome in, everyone, to another Must Starts and Must Sits episode where I give you one must start and one must sit for every position. If you like what we're doing here, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And without any further ado, let's get into the first must start player. So for this week, my must start quarterback is Bryce Young. He's quietly been good all year. And this is a tough week for quarterback matchups. A lot of injured quarterbacks as well. So he's got a 64.3% completion percentage, seven touchdowns, four interceptions, 200 yards a game. Nothing about that is super impressive, but it's not bad, unlike the next quarterback we'll get to. Um, The Colts are an easy matchup for him to go up against. And he looked a lot better last week when Frank Reich gave up the play-calling duties. So for all of those reasons, I have him quarterback 12. I think he's a solid start in a rough week for quarterback streamers. Let's move into my must-sit quarterback for the second straight week, Jordan Love. I don't get it. The ECR has him, expert consensus ranking that is, has him quarterback 13. I don't know why. He's been abysmal all year. 57.7% completion, 6.4 yards per attempt, 11 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. But in the first two weeks, he had three TD games both weeks. Since then, he's been horrific. He's crushing the entire Packers passing offense, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, I just have no interest in starting Jordan Love. I have him quarterback 21. No clue what the expert consensus ranking is seeing there. So I totally disagree and have him way lower. At running back, we have Rashad White. And this is more cutting through some of the dialogue on Rashad White, which is that he's been bad, which he has. He's averaged 3.3 yards a carry. He's just looked bad. He hasn't, he's not, he's not it. But that doesn't matter. Because he's had a 70% snap share in every game. And he's had 30 targets in seven games. He's caught 29 of those. We're averaging over four receptions a game. 233 receiving yards. Over 30 receiving yards a game. He's getting all the snaps. He's getting receiving work. And even though he hasn't played well, it doesn't matter. Volume at running back is what matters. He's a must play. I have a Marby 15 in PPR. Can't sit Rashad White. Next one. A pair of must-sit run, must running backs, Deonta Foreman and Roshan Johnson. Unfortunately, the Bears' offense under Tyson Bajant is not what it is under Justin Fields. There's just not as much yardage to go around, not as much scoring. So these two, they're splitting work. In week eight, we had 32% of snaps for Deonta Foreman, 36% for Roshan Johnson, and 27% for Darrington Evans, who scored the one touchdown among the three running backs. Foreman had the most carries, but only had one catch. Johnson had six carries and three catches. So the problem is that if Evans is going to get this 27% roll, there is not going to be a way to play either Foreman or Johnson. If I had to choose one, I would prefer Johnson because I think he's the younger player. Foreman was a healthy scratch for a while. Johnson looks like he's kind of coming on, and maybe this will be his breakout week. So I have him at RB32, Deonta Foreman at RB34, but they're both sits for me. I'm not playing these two, especially not against New Orleans. Moving into wide receiver, must start wide receiver, Demario Douglas. I think this is the time. Kendrick Bourne, torn ACL. He's out, obviously. Devonta Parker, Devontae Parker, concussion. He's out this week. 
So that leaves Demario Douglas as the undisputed number one wide receiver. Six and seven targets the last two weeks. Season high, 77% snap share last week. Playing against the commanders who traded the pass rushers away. So I'm not concerned about the pass rush uh, or the passing defense of the commanders, even with Mac Jones at quarterback. I think this is Douglas's breakout week. The other Patriots wide receiver that they used last week was Jalen Rager. It, it's a disaster. So Douglas is going to produce, but it is still the Patriots offense. We see that they're a dumpster fire all the time. So I have Douglas at wide receiver 36. That means that in most situations, he's a start. You don't have to play him if you have better options. But I noticed that my rankings of wide receivers are very in line with ECR this week, almost across the board. I just happen to agree with a lot of the consensus this week. This was someone I was slightly higher on than consensus, so wanted to throw him a bone. Speaking of slight differences in consensus, there's nobody this week that I'm way lower on than consensus. But the Christian Watson is the closest thing to that. He's my must-sit wide receiver for the second week in a row, just like Jordan Love. Second week in a row. Not in on the Packers passing offense. What has Christian Watson done to deserve a high ECR ranking? Wide receiver 35 is what he is, which honestly is not that high. He hasn't had more than three catches in any game. He's constantly injured. Jordan Love has been playing poorly. Romeo Dubs averages more receptions and has had more touchdowns this year. I guess I would lean Christian Watson over Romeo Dubs on talent alone, as tough as that is. But the ECR gap is like six or seven spots. I have them much closer. I have Watson, wide receiver 40, Romeo Dubs, wide receiver 42. I just don't want to play Christian Watson. I'd rather play Demario Douglas, who we talked about in the last segment. I just I can't play Christian Watson. Can't trust this entire offense. So he's a sit for me. Must start tight end, Trey McBride. Trey McBride is an absolute must start. I do not care that Clayton Toon is probably the quarterback. Michael Wilson is almost certainly going to sit with a shoulder injury, opening up even more of a role for Trey McBride. 82% snap share last week, 10 for 95 on 14 targets. It's not going back in the bottle. If I had Kyler Murray at quarterback, I would probably have Trey McBride as a top five tight end this week. I, that's how confident I would be. With Clayton Toon, you got to dial it back a little bit, but I still have him tight end eight. So he's a must play for me. There's no way that I can sit Trey McBride in any normal format. The upside's just too great. So he, he's a play for sure. And I think that we're, we're in the start of a great career for Trey McBride. Now, last one, the must-sit tight end. Hunter Henry, I, you heard what I said about all the Patriots passing weapons being out. So I get the temptation. But after week five, they changed Hunter Henry's role. In week five, he had a goose egg. And then all of a sudden, they cut his snap share to 62, 50, and 58% down from the 70s and 80s. So they, last week, the Patriots rolled out Jalen Rager over running 12 personnel. They're going to run 11. And then Mike Kosicki has also been faded out of the offense. So I'm not saying to start him. Over the last four games, Henry has six catches in four games for 62 yards in four games. You cannot play Hunter Henry. He's my tight end 22 this week. ECR has him at tight end 16. I'm completely out on Hunter Henry. Like I said, the Patriots look to be moving away from their tight ends. Uh, so he's a must-sit for me, even with the injuries. Uh, so I appreciate everyone for watching so far. Uh, if you liked the video, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And of course, patreon.com slash fantasyadvice, my Patreon, which is where you can ask advanced questions for the video. 
I have eight of them today. So we're going to jump into the next segment where we answer the Patreon questions. Start with the first one. Did Quentin Johnston have a mini breakout? Uh, I would say yes, but I need to see more than one game from Quentin Johnston to say that he's breaking out. He's been so disappointing all year. But I do like some positive signs, and I'm hoping that we continue the strong play moving forward. Can we trust Javante Williams as an RB1 moving forward? He had 30 carries, 30 touches last week, 27 carries, I think three receptions. So if that's the workload, yeah, he's an RB1. Is Will Levis a sell high? What for? Like, if it's not a 24 first in Superflex and Dynasty, then he's not a sell high. So I'm not so confident about the long-term talent of Will Levis. So I get the impetus to sell him. But as always, you can't just give him away. So quarterbacks and Superflex are valuable. He has a lot of upside. So I wouldn't just trash Will Levis. But yeah, if you can get two firsts, then of course. You can get like a first and Christian Kirk. Sure. Something like that. What's the worst kind of trades you can make as a contender and a rebuilder? Well, as a rebuilder, the worst kind of trades are buying running backs in Dynasty. You don't want to buy running backs in a rebuild. Running backs get hurt, then they lose value, and then you're riding that into the ground as a rebuilder. So as a rebuilder, no buying running backs. As a contender, uh, overpaying for contending assets, like it's fine to buy Adam Thielen, but you're not going to pay a first for Adam Thielen. It's fine to buy Keenan Allen, but you're not going to pay a first plus for Keenan Allen. You just have to be judicious with judicious with your uh, expenditures. Don't overpay. Because if you overpay and then it doesn't work out, you're going to really have trouble moving forward from that. That's the thing. So just don't overpay. Who's been the fantasy MVP of the first eight weeks and who will be the second half MVP? I mean, honestly, I feel like Tyreek Hill has to be the MVP of the first eight weeks. He's It's either him or Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Those are the two. They have been beyond dominant. They've been league winners. I mean, they were drafted to be, and they've been league winners. In terms of someone who was kind of drafted outside, uh, I mean, Pukunakua. Pukunakua was worth nothing, and he's been amazing. So he's a if you're, if you're including cost into account, Pukunakua would probably be the name. Who will be the second half MVP? A good question. Javante Williams, who was mentioned earlier, is a great name. A.J. Brown. Potentially, uh, he's been coming on so strong. Um, Kyler Murray, if he comes back and is like really, really amazing, would be a candidate. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, he, I have him at tight end three this week, and I think we're seeing the rise to superstardom for Dalton Kincaid. So those are a few names. So I put this question on there because it, I just thought it was interesting. Teach us, we don't like failure, we hate failure, blah, blah, blah. It's one of your best quotes. Tell us why we should still believe in Elijah Moore. Isn't he a failure? I don't know where I ever said you should believe in Elijah Moore. So this question, I believe, came from the idea of someone, I think you asked me, would you drop Elijah Moore for like Pierre Strong or something? And the answer is no. Or I, or maybe it was Aiden O'Connell. And the answer is still no. Because, yeah, I don't believe in Elijah Moore. But that's, you still rank him somewhere. I mean, he still ranks somewhere. So just because I don't like him doesn't mean that I'm going to drop him. I don't believe in Trey Lumberg's either, but I'm not going to drop him. Like, he still has value. So, yes, I'm trying to sell these guys who are failures. But a lot of times, and this comes up with Start Sit or any other question, 
people ask me player X versus player Y. And when I choose player X, they just assume that I hate player Y. All that answer says is that I prefer player X. It says nothing about really about my opinion about player Y. So yeah, just keep that in mind. Speaking of Aiden O'Connell, what is my take on Aiden O'Connell? Was he good in college? He looked good in preseason, but bad in his only start during the season. Uh, I don't think Aiden O'Connell is good. I don't think Aiden O'Connell is going to be the Raiders' long-term starter. I I don't see anything with Aiden O'Connell. He's going to start the rest of the year. I think he'll force-feed Devontae Adams, which will be good for Devontae Adams. I think he'll take away from Jacoby Myers. And I think that's my main take on Aiden O'Connell. One fantasy take you hit on. What lessons can people take from it going forward? What fantasy take you whiffed on? Any lessons learned going forward? Uh, The fantasy take I hit on, I mean, the people... When I said that Tony Pollard being the RB1 overall was crazy, uh, it was crazy. And I guess I hit on that. Um, What lessons can people learn from that? Don't extrapolate rate stats over a full season. Tony Pollard was never going to hold up to all the work. And also another lesson to learn from that is even if you can't name who the other person is that's going to get carries, someone else is going to get carries. It happened to be Rico Dowdle. We thought it was going to be Malik Davis. Some people thought it would be Ronald Jones. Some people thought it would be Rico Dowdle, and there were other players. Deuce Vaughn. Some people thought it would be Deuce Vaughn. It was always going to be someone. But just because you couldn't identify who it was, who the RB2 was, doesn't mean that there's not going to be an RB2. That's the main lesson I would learn from that. As for a fantasy take I whiffed on, what I whiff on? Oh, probably Alvin Kamara. (laughs) I I guess I just didn't really believe that Alvin Kamara still had it. Um, And he does. So, lesson to be learned, talented players sometimes, really talented players sometimes beat the age odds. And, you know, I think I should, even if the dynasty value is gone, probably extrapolate that to redraft a little more than I should. So, that, that's maybe a lesson I can learn from that going forward. Um, as always, if you like the advanced questions, you can sign up to ask them for at patreon.com slash fantasy advice. Seven-day free trials are available for all new signups at all tiers. If you like this video, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. And I will see you all next time. Thanks for watching, and peace out.